Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Okay everyone, hello, welcome back. Firstly, sorry for last week that there wasn't a podcast, but as you may be able to tell, I am ill and last week I actually didn't have a voice. And there was a whole magnitude of reasons why there wasn't a podcast last week, wasn't there, Evs? Yeah, I had two stay away shows in one week. Plus a trip to Devon. Plus a trip to Devon. And then I also sort of got the flu. Can you put your phone on silent, please? Oh my God, <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> I know I put my phone on silent because literally no one ever messages me. <laughs> anyway, and then I also got the flu and I think that's what I've given to you. And you've been on full watch as well. Yeah, I've been on full watch for a week now. There's mm. no full to watch. As well as that, I had uh, a really bad back. I got some trapped nerves in my back and <laughs> I, I was literally just like completely crippled. So I've spent the majority of this week lying horizontal or at the chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, not being good, has it? No, I haven't been able to ride my horses. Luckily, Abby and Samantha have been there to ride them. But then that culminated with like, because I, I had a cold every time I'd cough. It would hurt my back and I was just like, this is just a never ending cycle. Then I was getting up throughout the night, sleeping in a stable, nice big straw bed whilst I'm ill with a bad back. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're currently just living in limbo at the moment, (laughs) really. (laughs) But what's been lame and sound in your week? So I've recently got back from the Nationals and when I say recently... When was it? Last Thursday? I competed. Yes. So actually not that recently. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's given you time to digest, hasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot. Like that whole week was just a lot. And I mean, we've already discussed that, hence why there wasn't an episode. But yeah, I actually had a really good experience at the Nationals. Terry was such a good boy and went really well, given obviously our far from ideal build up, which I spoke about the episode before. I'd say my lame would be that I had to sleep in the horse box <laughs> at the Nationals. That night it went down to like minus degrees, didn't it? Yeah, so like we've got a three and a half ton horse lorry, which is a really, it's a really nice, smart little lorry, but there's no living. (laughs) So whenever I go to a stay away show, I'm sleeping like in the horse bit of the lorry, which is just not like I put a little camp bed out. (laughs) It's really not ideal. It's very rustic. It's really not ideal at all. And it's just, it gets so cold and also... Terry manages to pee every time <laughs> I load him in that lorry. He doesn't uh, in your lorry. No. It's only in our an hours. He knows that you're going to sleep there. He does. Because <laughs> he pees every single time. So I muck it out as soon as we get there for that reason. Because I'm like, I'm literally, like, my camp bed's right on top of where he's just urinated everywhere. <laughs> Plus, like, I'm a little bit allergic to, like, hay and straw and, like, shavings or whatever else is in there. So it's just that part wasn't particularly ideal. So I'm glad the actual day went well because I was sort of like, you sit there at night in that sort of situation. You're like, I really hope this is worth it. If tomorrow doesn't go well and I've been doing this, like... But yeah, so Terry was really good. It wasn't our best test, but I sort of went in with the bar super low because like I hadn't even ridden him for a week. I mean, we'd eased him back in. We sort of loose lunged him at home, did a light stretch the next day and then did some groundwork. So like in hand work the day before, but still that's not really like ideal. So I really went in with the bar super low, but yeah, it wasn't our best test. Like there were a few little blips that happened and like he had a little spook and, you know, he was quite like a little bit stuffy, but 
I was just so happy that relative to last year, it was just such a better round. Like the whole experience was just so much better. And we ended up, I think, God, I can't remember what score I got. I think it was like, was it 67 point something percent? That I was think. literally like... <laughs> some people would like remember what percentage they no, got like to the grave <laughs> we're like I have wait no what idea. did we do last week <laughs> I, I don't, don't remember I think it was 67 percent don't ask me like, I've got no idea somewhere in that region but we came seventh so that was our like first sub like 10 placing which I was really pleased with because I did actually set that goal weeks in advance but then obviously with everything that happened I was a bit like we might need to reevaluate that but yeah I was super pleased that we managed to achieve that because each nationals I've gone to now we're like slowly we've gone up a placing each sort of time so yeah, I'm so like clawing my way so in seven years you're gonna win <laughs> I'm clawing my way to that podium <laughs> spot I really am you're gonna get there don't yeah. worry yeah but uh, that's mine well, you sort of discussed yours, haven't you? Yeah. Not much has really happened for you no. since the last no. episode. I mean, when this episode airs, hopefully we're going to have a fall. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Well, you think it's going to be tonight, don't you? Yeah, I've just got a little inkling. Um, but yeah, so she's she was due last Thursday and today is Tuesday. Mm. So that is, I don't know how many sleepless nights mm. I've spent. Yeah. Okay, so Dilemma 1 is potentially a little bit controversial. And originally we weren't sure if we wanted to talk about it, but we decided that we need to talk about it. And that is the Grand National. So someone sent in, hey guys, I'd be really interested to hear your views on the Grand National. Okay, so Evie, first up. Well, I think before we dive in, I think it's worth saying that neither myself nor Joanna have any affiliation with racing whatsoever because I think sometimes just because you work in an industry with horses there's like an assumption that you sort of know about any industry with horses but actually they're all very different and we don't have any experience with racing yards racing horses nothing so we'll give our opinion but we might not necessarily be particularly well informed because like I say we don't have much experience in that field we have nothing to do yeah. with the racing industry <laughs> we have no idea about no. it at all like it couldn't be any more different to dressage which is what we do yeah like they're yeah, like the polar opposite <laughs> I, I have literally no idea no like I can tell it's a horse but like that's... have you ridden a racehorse no never. no I haven't either you've got an ex-thoroughbred an ex-racer. An ex-thoroughbred. <laughs> She's not a thoroughbred. She identifies as a warm blood. No, she never raced though. Right. But yeah, I've never ridden a no. racehorse. But okay, so diving into the Grand National. When I was a child, it was a very famous race. And I always felt like it was a race I wanted to get involved with because my granddad, Freddie, always watched the races and he'd always let us choose a racehorse that we wanted to bet on. And I would choose the one with the funnest name. And I thought that was so fun. And I would then really enjoy watching it, but I didn't understand it. Yeah. Again, it's it's so big, the Grand National. It's estimated that over 600 million people worldwide watch it so it's literally the biggest race there is which i think is where the problems come in in that it's so hugely publicized and it's got such a big platform that it's open for anyone and everyone to pick it apart yeah and i actually i did a poll on my story about the grand national like after we were sent it in 
and I was asking people like what are your thoughts and the options I gave were I think it's fine I think it's not fine and I think it needs to be made safer obviously it's not a huge sample size and the main people that follow me are horsey people so like the sample is a bit biased in that sense but regardless of that it was about on par the percentage of people that thought it was fine and the people that thought it was not fine so it was 24% thought it was fine and 24% thought it wasn't fine and then 53% of people think it needs to be made safer so that was like the overwhelming majority there and I had quite a few people as well actually slide into my DMs and talk to me about it. And so many of them were saying, they were like, I don't have anything against racing at all, but I don't think it's right, you know, that it's almost guaranteed that a horse dies at the Grand National every year. Like, I think something needs to be done, something needs to be changed. So that was like the general consensus from the pool of people that I know and that I asked, which I thought was quite interesting. While I was doing some research, I found some things online. So Animal Rising were the group that protested at the beginning of this Grand National. And they said, horse deaths and injuries are an unavoidable consequence of the way we use animals in sport. But then in reply to that, the head of the jockey club said that you will never eliminate risk entirely and every fatality in racing is one too many. Which I do agree with in that you can never eliminate risk to horses. No. So the argument that a lot of people come up with is, okay, but horses break their legs in the field. Which they do. And that might be the case for a lot of these horses that have died during the Grand National. Because if a horse breaks its leg, they do need to be put down because they can't not wait bare for however long you know it's needed to fix but the difference between a horse breaking its leg in a field at home and a horse breaking its leg at the grand national is 60 million people aren't watching yeah also they say that a lot of the horses have heart attacks yeah from the adrenaline of the race and i have only known one case of a horse having a heart attack like a dressage horse and that was during a prize giving Mm horse had a heart attack and it died just dropped down dead so it's not it's not unheard of yeah you know and like humans you know you can have a heart attack whenever Mm. but again it's that 60 million people aren't watching your horse die on its own in a field at home okay so the main controversy this year was surrounding hill 16 which is the horse that died at the first jump of the grand national of this year now the race itself was delayed by 15 minutes because of the protesters. So the horses, their preparation time was doubled practically. Mm. For anyone that works with horses, you know that if you are preparing for such a big event, such as the Grand National, you will literally have like your exact time that you will be getting that horse ready. And the handler of Hill 16 said that he overboiled. He just got too excited. They even took him back to the stables and took his tack off and tried to sponge him down. But then they needed to tack him back up and take him back down to the start box. Well, yeah, horses are like incredibly sensitive creatures and they're also very intelligent. So I know that Hill 16, for instance, has ran the Grand National twice before. Absolutely fine, no problem whatsoever. But that also means that he would have known the routine of that day he would have known when he should have been getting on he would have known when he should have been you know cantering down to the start line and for a horse they're such creatures of habit and they love a routine that if that's thrown off kilter it really upsets them and it really stresses them out ultimately for the protesters doing that you know that even if it's just a 15 minute delay that's a lot for a horse 
you know, they pick that up and they do get very stressed because they're thinking, but I'm meant to be doing this. Yeah. And this horse Hill 16, he had never fallen in a race before. So for him to fall at the very first fence and whether he died of a broken neck or a heart attack, we won't know because, you know, I I haven't watched the footage and I don't no. really want to. But supposedly they said, you know, he either he took off, he had a heart attack and he landed dead. And that was why he landed and broke his neck when he landed or he landed and he fell and he broke his neck. The death of Hill 16 was horrific and it shouldn't have happened. There are, you know, 16 horses prior to that in the last 23 years that have died in this race. Mm. And I think for me personally, I don't think there should be as many runners. You know, yeah. there's 40 horses that start. Mm. That is, there's so many of them that they end up getting bundled together and then accidents do happen. Yeah. You know, it's you're just doubling the odds and the statistics of something bad happening. What I would like to say, though, is I'm not either way in terms of I'm not like wholly anti it and I'm not wholly pro it. Like I'm sort of on the fence. I don't really know what to think about it because I don't feel like I know enough about it to comment. But for me, I definitely think that changes do need to be made. For instance, like you just said, decreasing the amount of starters. But what I would want to say is I think these animal rights protesters, whatever your stance is, they don't understand enough about horses because otherwise they wouldn't be doing these protests. And for me, I just think it's a bit hypocritical because they're more concerned with publicity than they are horse welfare because anyone that horsey knows that that is literally congregating by certain fences, delaying a race, whatever it is you're doing, that is going to really upset the animal. For me, the animal protesters saying that, you know, they care about the horse's welfare, that's at the forefront, which it is for everyone. I just don't understand how then you can protest like that when it's upsetting them. I, I get what they're trying to achieve, but I don't think it's the right way to go about it. No, just jumping onto the track whilst there are 40 horses lined up, ready and waiting to go. People trying to chain themselves to fences. I'm just like, that's yeah. going to cause an accident and the whole, you know, that's going to cause even more horse deaths. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how is that logical? I just don't understand that at all. No. And yeah, these animal protesters, they have horses at the forefront of their mind and they are wanting to do the right thing but so are the trainers and so are the handlers and so are the jockeys they're all trying to do the right thing so moving on to like more broader like racing terms so would you say that horses are forced to race no i wouldn't say they're forced to i think it's like in our discipline some racehorses, they're born into that world and they don't like it, so they do a different job. Plenty of other racehorses absolutely love racing. For me, I don't think the word forced is a valid enough argument to then stop racing in general because, you know, plenty of dogs get abandoned. Are we going to stop owning dogs? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's such a good point. One thing that I found interesting when I was researching it was that any horse that races in Britain has to be signed out of the food chain. On a horse's passport, you can have them signed out and it's just a signature in their passport if that horse dies it cannot be used for meat in any way i thought that was really interesting mm, yeah so you know before i knew that i would have thought like oh they're kind of like indisposable aren't they yeah you know like they just get rid of them and then god only knows where they end up mm. you know like in dog meat tins or something yeah but no they don't mm. not at all the thing is with racing is that you might not agree with it and you might think it needs to stop. But I don't necessarily think it should anyway. No. 
Something I wanted to say is that even though I've expressed that I'm definitely on the fence with it all and that my opinion sort of isn't anti-racing, but that maybe changes need to be put in place to make it safer, make it make it better regulated for the horses in the Grand National. What I would say is going back to these animal right protesters, you know, it's all very well and good sort of causing a ruckus at the race. But what is your solution? Because that's something they never say. No. They, they never give an alternative of, well, what would we do with these racehorses then? Yeah. What, what's your stance? What do you think should be done? They complain, but they don't actually no. come up with a solution. I think it was A.P. McCoy who, if people don't know him, he's a very famous jockey. Everyone knows who A.P. McCoy is. No, I'm saying like non-horsey listeners. I into him at Carl's once. He's really short. He's a very <laughs> famous jockey. He's won the Grand National in the past. He was saying everything and everyone, whether you're human, animal, they have to have a purpose purpose and he was like and racehorses purposes are is to race and I sort of get that because also horses often like having a purpose yeah they like having something to do they like having a job and I think it's so easy when you don't know what you're necessarily looking at to sort of stand back and just pick apart all the negatives about it and to not actually see sort of like the more to see the subtleties within the sport such as like the bond between a jockey and his racehorse or the racehorse and the groom and the family and the wider network because it isn't just somebody jumping on and you know rallying them around a course there is such like there is often a deep connection when you ride a horse and I think if you're not a horsey person you don't know that because you've never experienced it I think it's easy just to sort of redact it and just see it the bigger picture and all that's all wrong this is wrong but actually if you're not in the industry I don't I don't know whether you can necessarily comment no because you don't know what goes on just to round up what we've been saying both joanna and myself are neither for or against we're a bit on the fence because we don't really think that we know enough about the industry itself to comment what we would say is that we think that these animal rights protesters need to reevaluate their protesting methods because this year at least they really upset the horses which is sort of hypocritical to their standpoint of putting horse welfare first and yeah just that maybe the jockey association or whoever needs to really investigate this and think what parameters can we put in place to make this safer to limit as much risk as possible but like you mentioned earlier you're never going to fully eliminate it but please do write into us and tell us your thoughts and views on this very tricky subject okay that was so deep i feel like we need to like jolly ourselves up right so dilemma number two somebody sent in is more of like a competition related dilemma it is how to manage those external to your team at a competition and when I say external from your team I mean like friends family owners how do you deal with that group whilst you're competing and trying to get into the zone okay so I have experience of this in the when I was competing for Great Britain the chef to keep so the person in charge of us as a team would come up to us before and we had lots of meetings this is when we were doing like nations cup or europeans <clears throat> sorry i'm still ill my voice is still going she would say to us she'd be like right who do you want around you while you're getting ready while you're warming up and when you're competing and who do you want around you when you've done and that was really good because it meant that someone else kind of took that away from me in that I then didn't have to tell anyone to leave me alone. This chef to keep mm -hmm. would tell them to leave me alone. 
And that was great. But for this dilemma, it's like, okay, so how do you, how do you yourself deal with that? So I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because again, like you don't want to seem like you're being rude, but if you've got a set competition plan and your family, like Evie, for example, your brothers might come along and they might... I don't think so. Okay, right. This is very hypothetical. My parents come. No, no. But let's say your brothers turn up. And they want to come and watch you I'd at the Nationals. I'd just be so shocked that they were there. Okay, the right. This place. is hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> Evie's got three non-horsey brothers. So let's say all three of them want to come and watch you at the Nationals. And they're like in the lorry with you while you're trying to get ready. They're just really distracting you the whole time. And they're not aware of what's going on or what your routine is. How would you deal with that? I just tell them to go away. Yeah, but what if they don't do that? What if they don't go away? Yeah. Then I'd probably leave. <laughs> or I'd probably talk to somebody else for backup. Okay. And say, look, get these people to leave. Okay. I've tried and they're not listening to me. For me, like this dilemma is just sticking to the facts. And it's sort of, if people take it personally, that's their own problem. Because they shouldn't take it personally. And I've actually had this conversation with my parents, funnily enough, because my parents are like amazing. They're super supportive. They come to basically every show that I do and they're so willing to sort of help. But sometimes like if your horse is being a bit tricky, actually the more people that are trying to help, the worse it becomes. So for me in the past, when that's happened and I've sort of been like, oh, I'm actually better dealing with this situation on my own. I need people to take a step back to like sort of create some calm. I've literally, I mean, some people might say it's a bit of a diva moment, but it isn't. I turned around and I said, look guys, I said, I really don't want you to take this personally and it's nothing against you, but this is my day and I'm going to really need you to just go off somewhere else for a while because I need to sort this out and I need to get focused. And they were just like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. And they went off and it was nothing personal. It was just purely like professional. Okay. So I would say though that you can say that to your parents because- Yeah, 100%. But the, the hypothetical was with my brother. So it would be the okay. exact same because okay. it's family. Now- what if you were riding a horse for an owner and they were being really, really annoying? Depends on my relationship with the owner to start with, how comfortable I was with them. I mean, if I had an owner, for instance, that was very laid back and almost like a friend in a way, I'd probably feel quite comfortable in being like, oh, I really appreciate you being here, but do you just mind like sort of taking a step back for a minute because I'm just trying to do this? And I'd say as politely as possible and I'd set the parameters quite clear. But I don't know what I would do if I had a tricky owner because also... With owners, it's harder because they own horses to be part of the competition experience. They want to be behind the scenes. They want to be there on the side with their horse and all the rest of it. So partly you have to let them do that because that's what they're paying for. So yeah, if I had a tricky owner, I might find it a little bit harder, but I still think you need to just be quite clear cut with it, but in the most polite sort of professional way possible because ultimately your owners as well they want you to be successful they want you to do the best that you can and the best that the horse can and sometimes that does mean that they need to take a step back otherwise it's going to affect the whole sort of feng shui of the day yeah I would say, adding to that, is that these conversations need to be had well in advance of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be getting on and warming up and, you know, screaming, you need to leave, don't be there, don't be standing there, stuff like that. Because as well, like the day of a competition, all your emotions are heightened. Everyone's like a little bit nervous or excited or whatever emotion they're feeling, it's going to be heightened. So you want to have this conversation in advance, you know, whether that be with your parents or 
or with an owner, you want to be like, okay, so this is how I need to best mentally prepare for this competition. For me to do my best, I need to have, let's say, quiet time in the lorry before getting on. You know, I don't want to go and watch. I don't want you to go and ask me to go and watch. I don't want to feel like I need to go and look after you when I need to be looking after myself. And then when I'm getting ready, I just want my trainer there and I just want the groom there. And I'm very happy for you to still be there and you to still be watching, but just please keep your comments to yourself Mm. or, you know, and then we can have a complete rundown afterwards, but just so that I can get into the zone yeah maybe just say beforehand depending on your relationship again just be like look sometimes I get a bit stressed at shows so if I'm not necessarily like talking to you or interacting with you in the way that I normally would it's because I'm pretty focused on the competition itself it's nothing against you like maybe just sort of feed that to the person before even going yeah and as an owner I would prefer someone to say that to me because I'd be like oh god yeah so they're really I know that they're really focused yeah and really they're dedicated really wanting to do well because they are asking me this i think as well there's subtle methods of doing it as well if you've got a tricky owner which i know a lot of people do have tricky owners unfortunately we don't <laughs> you no, guys don't. have like the nicest owners <laughs> in the world like i would ha- be happy to turn around and just be like you know oh so and so do you mind actually just sort of like wandering off for a yeah. Yeah, <laughs> moment because i'm actually a bit stressed and i need to be on my own for a bit and they wouldn't mind at all and so we're really lucky that we sort of have that but if you've got a tricky owner i think there are like more subtle ways of sort of getting them shooing them away yeah okay so subtle ways is the give them a job where they have to go off and do something yeah be like oh do you mind putting this in the lorry yeah you know and then they wander off (laughs) if let's say you were riding and we had a tricky owner I would step in and I would occupy them yeah and I would take them away from you and I'd be like oh let's go and get coffee or let's go and do this and it would just be a really easy subtle way for you to get in the mindset the right mindset the winning mindset yeah or whatever you want to call it and for them to still feel like they're enjoying it and that they're still involved because you've got another member of the team with them. Yeah, that's that's a good shout, I think. But I do think there is a balance to be had. You don't want to completely shoo your owners away because like I said, no. they are paying for that experience and you want them to have a nice time as well. So it is tricky, I think. You want them to feel involved because they want to feel involved. Maybe make it clear before you get to the show what everyone's job is. So, you know, hypothetically, like you said, their job is to go to the canteen and get you a drink. You know, so that's their job for the day. Your job is to get on and ride that horse. So you've got to do that and their job doesn't interfere with yours. Mm. I mean, in saying that, I feel like sometimes it can be harder with family as well because they do, they're more inclined to take it personally. Yeah. But I mean, my dad sometimes, <laughs> at the nationals, <laughs> I always plat Terry. I went, you know, you bring like a step. We were all walking to the stable. Mum and dad were coming with me and it was actually quite nice this time because like they were chatting to me or like passing me a flatting band or something. And it was actually keeping my mind off it, talking to somebody yeah. else because usually I'm sort of on my own. So I'm like there dwelling on everything that's about to happen. But anyway... I go to the stable and I'm like, oh, where's the step? And my dad's just like at the outside of the temporary stable block, sat on the step, sunbathing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... Um, I brought that for plat. You know, I'm about to plat now. He was like, "Oh yeah, I just thought I'd have a little sit in the sun." I was like, "I've timed everything to the dot." Yeah, you know, like. I need that step now and it just really made me laugh because I just thought yeah what are you doing (laughs) and that he's the one that I had that conversation with like years ago of like 
this I don't want you to take this personally this is my day this yeah. is not about you because <laughs> he doesn't always listen when I'm like oh do you mind just doing you know do you mind if you don't do that he doesn't listen he just does it anyway so I had to have a real like firm yeah <laughs> but it just made me laugh because yeah. I just thought what are you doing what are you doing but again like like you have the ability to laugh at that some people might it might just completely throw them they might just go completely off the rails about that yeah got a joke about it you've got to be as pleasant as possible I mean when I say oh I had like a firm word it wasn't a firm words you know I was smiling and I was sort of saying oh you're gonna think this is like I'm such a diva but like this isn't your day you know you make it jovial but people still take it on board at the same time because you are there to do a job you know in any other industry you wouldn't have somebody coming to your desk at work for instance say your auntie coming up to your desk at work (laughs) in a corporate office building being like oh hello you want to you know you just wouldn't have that if you're in the middle of a job so sometimes I think people need to be aware that actually it's fun being at a show but it's our profession it's not like a complete jolly <laughs> yeah good luck um with it and if you want any more or if for instance someone is at a show and they need their own occupied hit us up yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll start taking rates <laughs> yeah we'll do it for you a business we've just launched a business <laughs> sent a story out on my instagram asking people to send in competition fails because i sort of thought oh this episode is going to be quite like competition heavy which it sort of has been even though we spoke about the grand national but whatever so so some people sent in their competition fails and one person wrote in i once competed the wrong horse (laughs) both were gray so no one noticed but they were under the wrong name and in the wrong sections i mean that is that's quite something isn't it that is just unbelievable (laughs) and then I, i actually messaged that person and was like what like explain more and she gave me a bit more context but she also sent another one being like i actually know someone who forgot to take their horse to a show oh my god so they god. drove the lorry but there wasn't a horse no <laughs> i once and this was only a couple of months ago actually embarrassingly enough i got to a show and i had two right gloves oh i remember i that. didn't have a left glove <laughs> so i had to put the right glove oh, on no. like upside down that's terrible and, oh my god i felt physically sick that is horrible it was horrendous literally horrendous someone else wrote in as well i once swapped rides with my sister at a show and no one noticed because we look so similar <laughs> oh mean samantha can do that all the time the amount have you of, ever done it we've uh no we've never done it but the amount of results that i have got that i hadn't i've never competed in those classes on those horses really yeah <laughs> all the time that's so i'm funny. like gosh i don't remember going to that show yeah. but i'm glad that's there <laughs> and like it, it's gone too far past the point of like actually phoning bd and being like that's not my result you guys could probably do that yeah yeah we could because i think people look so different with a riding hat on and also you can't really see them in the same way with a hat on so i think a lot of like stewards and stuff they just see like horse and a hat they don't like see a person behind no Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. We hope it's been a good one and we would love to hear your take on the Grand National. And we hope that we answered that question well because it was really difficult to answer, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, really, really difficult. And is that actually very. <laughs> is that actually a joke? Okay, well, we're signing off now because the phone's ringing. <laughs>
Yeah, someone obviously really yeah. wants to get hold of us. <laughs> About the Grand um, National. <laughs> Grand National. <laughs> okay. Um, but also for next episode. <laughs> He's going to sign I'm gonna carry on. I'm just going to carry on. Um, for next episode, please do send us in your falling dilemmas uh, because we'd love to hear them. And this is just tragic. I need to stop it now. Your ringtone <laughs> okay. makes me right. love. <laughs> love you. Bye. Love you, bye.